0: All right, we're going to talk about something uh, like a a wake-up call to the church, shall I say. Um, The church has basically, or historically, maintained separation from the world. It's one of those things that we think we need to do to, to keep ourselves in touch with God. So we like, you know, we just want to stay away from the world and sometimes we we base that on scripture. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. It says this, "Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you." The church has historically taken that to mean don't have anything to do with the the world. And And in doing that, we have missed our calling to be a light and a witness to the church. Some of the things that have taken place are a result of that. Prayer is no longer one of those things that we practice in schools. Now, I'm not saying that the church didn't fight that removal, and we all Think and look back on that, that. maybe it was Madeline Murray O'Hara that got that, but there were other things that happened even before she got involved. And one of the prayers that was offered in schools was called a regents prayer. Now, many of you probably don't know about that, but it was just a standard prayer that they, the Board of Regents in New York had said, okay, you can say this prayer in church or in school. And that would be good because it would help us with regard to our morality and raising up the kids good. What happened then, though, was different denominations started fighting that prayer in school. And what it ended up being was we didn't have prayers in schools anymore. Also, that whole legalized abortion issue, Now, once again, the the church did pray and try and get that to not happen. However, they made a big mistake when they had a person that had been for abortion. They convinced her to say after that that she wasn't for abortion anymore, The the woman that Roe v. Wade was about, okay? They tried to talk her into saying, okay, now you're against abortion, and it came out, that the church was the one that told her to do that. She didn't change her mind. We have become known for what the church stands against rather than what we stand for. And you know what? Is this what God meant when he said that? I don't really believe it is. Let's pray. Father, let's uh, come down and be with us this morning. Help us to understand your heart the love that you have for us, and your mission for each one of us in this world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have heard of a person by the name of Susumu Sugawara? No hands here. A couple online, I see those, but And no, no, I don't really. I just thought I'd tell you that because people are like, they're watching us now. We're not. How many of you have heard of the 2011 tsunami? Ah, we got a little more hands then. This is a story or an article about Susumu Sugawara. When the tsunami came, everyone ran to the hills. But Sugawara ran to one of his boats, his pride and joy, Sunflower, and steered it into deeper waters. As he passed his other boats used for fishing abalone, he said goodbye to them, apologizing that he could not save them all. Then the first wave came. Sugawara says that he's used to seeing waves up to five meters high, but this was four times that size. And that is an actual picture of what was going on then. I, I was going to bring another picture. It was an artist's rendition, which like, really showed how big the wave was. But anyway... That's about the height of a six-story building, is what he was taught explaining. My feeling at this moment is indescribable, he says, with glistening eyes. I talked to my boat and said, you've been with me 42 years. If we live or die, then we'll be together. Then I pushed on full throttle. Here was my boat, and here was the wave, he says, holding one hand low and the other stretched high above his head. I climbed the wave like a mountain. When I thought I had got to the top, the wave got even bigger. Then the next wave came. Sugawara can't remember if there were four or five waves. But he says he did not feel afraid. He was just focused on steering his boat. Suddenly, the sea was completely calm, and he knew he had beaten the tsunami. For 20 days, he made hourly trips to the mainland. For the first two weeks, at least, he provided almost the only connection with it. Without Sugawara and the sunflower, the island would have been completely cut off. Sugawara risked his life for his boat and his island. I'd like to go through that story and talk a little bit about each point in that story now. When the tsunami came, it says, everyone ran to the hills. Our current cultural storm is absolutely tremendous. Nobody would agree with, disagree with that. It's out of control. When storms or adversity comes, we have run. Sometimes the church says we don't want to get involved or we don't want to be involved in the politics, we run away. We've... I'll tell you this, I was guilty of trying to protect our family. Jennifer and I wanted to raise our kids, and we wanted to protect them from all the dangers out there. And I know parents here are doing the same, you know, like, yes, we don't want them to be influenced by that. But we have to raise them enough to where they can actually function. But Tsukawara ran to one of his boats, his pride and joy the sunflower, and steered it into deeper waters. As he passed his other boats, used for fishing abalone, He said goodbye to them, apologizing that he could not save them all. You see, he understood that staying in the harbor, tied up, was not actually a safe place to be. So sunflower was made to be out at sea. Boats are not made, this might be something that you don't know about, boats aren't made to be tied up. They don't build boats to sit in harbors, okay? I mean, they sit there, But they don't make them for that. I was in the the Navy, and I was on a, a cruiser. When a storm came of this kind of a magnitude, when we had bad, bad weather coming, if we were in port, they would cancel all liberty, tell everybody to get back on the ship, and we went out to sea. This is on a cruiser, a warship, that can handle things, all right? But they knew Being tied up in port was not the place we needed to be. Now, let me just tell you, it's not really fun once you go out in one of those storms, (laughs) okay? But we could weather the storm. It says, then the first wave came. Sugawara says he's used to seeing waves up to five meters high, but that was four times that size. My feeling at this moment is indescribable, he said. I talked to my boat and said, you've been with me 42 years. If we live or die, then we will be together. Then I pushed on full throttle. God promises to be with us in the storms. He's trustworthy. He's never let us down when we got into those storms. He wants all of us to be all in full throttle for him. So Sugar says this here was my boat, and here was the wave, he says, holding one hand low and the other one stretched high above his head. I climbed the waves like a mountain. When I thought I had got to the top, the wave got even bigger. Have you been in a storm? Have you had problems come and they continue to get big? You're thinking, oh, this couldn't get any worse. And then you realize, yeah, it could get worse. Then the next wave came. Seguar can't remember if there were four or five waves. But he says he did not feel afraid. He was just focused on steering his boat. Suddenly, the sea was completely calm, and he knew he had beaten the tsunami. Even when we're in the midst of the storm, we don't have to fear. We just need to keep our eyes focused on our Savior savior, and push on full throttle. For 20 days, he was the one that made the trips to the mainland. For the first two weeks, he provided almost the only connection with it. Without Sugawara and the sunflower, the island would have been completely cut off, Sugawar risk his life for his boat and his island. We are called to be the voice of hope. The world needs what we have, even if they seem to resist it. And that's the truth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go to church, I don't want to just listen to stories. I would like to hear from God and what he has to say in his word. So we're going to take a look at some of, the, some of the verses that actually go with this and support this. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says this. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. You see, we're not meant to be in this safe place, in this safe harbor. And sometimes we think this is a great place to be, and it is. But God calls us to go out into the world. Now, it can be scary to go out into the world and show God and and minister to people. But we don't need to be, we don't want to be influenced in the world. We, we go out there and we're saying, all right, I want to be out in the world and I want to show God's love to people, but we don't really want to be, you know, influenced by the world. I got this email from a friend. Actually, okay, it was from Jen. All right? It was, it was a Rick Warren quote, and I think it fits in really good right now. It says this. When I go out to dinner and order sea bass. The first thing I have to do before I can eat it is put salt on it. What's going on? That fish is in, that fish has lived its entire life in salt water, and yet I have to put salt on it. What's going on? That fish is insulated. If God can take a fish and keep it in salt water its entire life and not have the salt permeate the fish, God certainly can take any believer, put us in the world and keep us from being corrupted by those wrong values. Amazing, isn't it? If he can do that for a fish, he certainly can protect us. Now, if that's true, we don't have to be afraid when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, he says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And get this last part. He's telling us to go out there in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Get the last part, though. Because sometimes we say, all right, I'm going to go out there and do it, but I'm not going to. He says this, and behold, I am with you always. If he asks us to go out into the world, he doesn't ask us to go out on our own, on our own volition, on our own Intelligence. He says, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. That's a promise Jesus clarified when he told the disciples and us in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. We don't need to know all about it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. You see, he says we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We will receive power. Have you ever thought about Jesus' ministry when he was here? When did he start his ministry? Try try it again. When did he start? (laughs) Anybody remember when he started his ministry? about age 30, but what happened right before he started his ministry? He was baptized, and when he came out of the water, what? The Holy Spirit came down on Jesus. Remember that? Okay? If Jesus received power from the Holy Spirit, and that's how he was able to do the ministry while he was here on earth, when we receive power from the Holy Spirit, that gives us the power to minister here on this earth. Another uh, quote from a different article says this, this is not a time to hunker down and circle the wagons. These are spiritually dark days in our nation, and yet God calls us to be light. What a time for the church to show love and preach the gospel. This could be one of the greatest opportunities the church has ever had to pray together in unity and seek the Lord for the direction of our country. Boy, that applies, doesn't it? Doesn't it apply today? That quote is from back in 2015, five years ago. And guess what? We haven't gotten a whole lot better since then. Our country, that is. We need to remember that. In John 15, verse 16, it says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Sometimes we think it's for those other people. It's for Brian to go ahead and preach. It's for the missionaries to go out and do their missionary work. According to this, Jesus said he chose us. That means wherever we are, he has put us. I remember years ago, it was uh, one of those situations at work that I'm like, oh my gosh, could I just win the lottery and don't have to be here anymore? Anybody else doing that stuff? Okay. I heard very clearly, I was in the spot I was in because God put me there. He let me know that he could take care of me. I didn't need to win the lottery he could take care of me, and I was where I was because he put me there. He chose me for that position, for that job. And you know what? It made a whole lot of difference in the way I looked at going to work every day. It was great. I didn't have to worry about what if, what if, what if. I knew I was where I was supposed to be. It also says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice the two parts of that verse. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Why? So that we can go ahead and proclaim the excellencies of him who called us. That's why we are a chosen race, that we can proclaim. We can go out in the world and show God's love to all those individuals that really are desperate for it. I remember a couple weeks ago, Brian was talking about a cross-country cyclist. Anybody remember that? What was the hardest thing the cross-country cyclist said was to do? Get started. Get started. All right. We're talking about the church going out into the world, not staying here in this safe place, not tied up in the harbor to get out there in the sea, in the storms. The hardest part of that is to get going, get started and get out there. And I'll tell you this, just from experience, the, the, the first time you witness to somebody, the first time you show God's love to somebody, the first time you sit down and listen to somebody because they're having problems, and you know what? It's, it, they they want to talk to somebody about it. The first time you do that, it might be pretty scary and stuff, but as you do it, God makes it easier for you. He will bring words to your mouth. He'll bring that comfort and calm and the love into that conversation so that you'll start being able to just do it naturally. We can try to stay safe in the harbor, but that's not what we're created for. God created us to be out on the sea. God's put us, each of us where we are for a reason. I just said that. He created us and gifted us differently. Last week, Brian was talking about the different gifts that we all have. And he was talking about a new app, our, a new part of our website that you can go to it and say, hey, I, I got this gift. I'd like to help at Lakeside doing this. And I'm going to just tell you one more step. Those gifts he has given you are not just for Lakeside. Cool, huh? They're for the world. He has gifted each one of us individually differently so that we can reach each person differently. Brian has gifts, but he can't go do and talk to and introduce or bring God's love to certain people, but you can because God's put you there. There are three things, though, that we all have in common, gifts. I always look at this gifts thing and say, all right, well, I don't know what my gift is yet. Guess what? There are three things that we all have, gifts that we all have that we can do. The first one is we can all pray. Prayer is universal. And there are many, many times I have looked back in my life and seen what has happened as a result of my praying. I'm sure there are many of you that have done the same thing. I've been praying for this for a long time, and then all of a sudden, wow, I get an answer. I prayed for my father for years that God would deliver him from his alcoholism. I got a letter from him one time that said, hey, I know you've been praying for me, this is the first time I've been able to say I, I'm, I'm free of that alcoholic demon and I'm, I'm living good. And you know what? That, just, that goes right to your heart and you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Prayer makes a difference. All of us can pray. All of us who are call ourselves Christians have that power from the Holy Spirit because when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. And if that's the case, then each of us has the same power through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus did for the time he had ministry here. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? We have the same power Jesus did when he was here. And he even said, we're going to do greater things than he did after he was gone. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And we are all called to go out into the world and love people like Jesus did. Do you remember who Jesus ministered to, who he showed his love to while he was here? All right, I'll give you a hint. It wasn't the religious people. It wasn't the people who thought they were good. It wasn't those Pharisees and Sadducees. Those are the guys he didn't have, or really want to have anything to do with. So he went out and he loved on people. And he went to where they were. He didn't wait for them to come to him. Sometimes we forget that. Oh, Lord, if you just send somebody here, I'll witness to him. And he says, no, go, and I'll show you who to talk to. This last quote uh, just, I just found again, and it's very encouraging to me, and hopefully it's encouraging to you, because God loves us so much. That's why we are able to love others. Says this, the Lord truly loves you and his plans for you are good. It's important that your life's work be in the area of what you love to do and what you are passionate about. That's the gifts God has given you. This may not happen quickly, but be patient and pursue that passion. Also, God's plan for you is that you live in a close, intimate life with him to love him with all of your heart. That's the first part of the, great, the the two great commandments, right? You were created for him, and don't forget that. We were created for him. You were also created to do good works for others and to love your neighbor as yourself. These make up the big picture for your life. These make up the big picture for every believer's life, as a matter of fact. If you will love the Lord with all your heart, live close to him, serve others, pursue your passion, then you will walk in God's plan and purpose for your life. Don't look for another plan. It's that simple. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just uh, thank you for who you are. We, love, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy that you just show to each one of us each and every day. Help us to look at others through the same eyes that you look at the other people. Help us to see that we don't know their backstory, but we know that you love them, you have created them for a reason and a purpose. As we go out from the safe harbor And we know that that's where we're supposed to go, Father. We just ask you to be with us. Give us that power from your Holy Spirit. Give us the the initiative. Give us the wisdom to love people as you love people. Because we can't do that on our own. Sometimes we can't barely even be with people on our own. But you love them. And you created them for a reason and a purpose, just like you created us for a reason and a purpose. Help us once again be that witness for you in this world. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.